Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Because I uh, tell you what, it doesn't take much for something to go wrong on a job site. And you want that person to be reputable to be able to stand up and take care of it. If they've been in a lot of lawsuits, that tells me that they have they like to dig their heels in and stand their ground and not compromise. So I'll, I'll be honest, if you're a kitchen and bathroom and you got 6, 8, 10, 12, you know, over the last decade lawsuits... 15 years lawsuits under your belt that's not good that's not good that says that there are some serious issues within that organization when it comes to remodeling and renovating your home there is a lot to know but we've got you covered this is around the house welcome to the around the house show this is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education thanks for joining me today guys We've got a full show ahead. We're going to start out here today and talk about two different subjects. One of them was brought up by my show last weekend, of course, where we were talking about the mistakes not to make when you're doing a bathroom or a kitchen. We're going to talk today about the first part of the show, how to find the right contractor. And then we're going to follow up with uh, some asbestos and remodeling because that came up as well. Viewer questions, questions from people just like you couple little things first if you want to get a hold of us here at the show you can get a hold of us over to roundthehouseonline.com and yes i get back to you in every single message so if you've got a question over there make sure you do that and uh you know comment feel free and then second of all if you live in the portland area where i'm filming my new tv show i am looking for people that have home improvement questions and so if you head over to facebook and you'll see the post over there but you can find out uh, around the house Northwest. You'll find that if you look up that, we are taking video submissions for questions for the new television show that starts to air on February 18th. So if you've got a design question, home improvement question, anything to do with, uh, you know, around the house, I'm there to help. And if you uh, submit that, there's a decent chance you'll get in the new television show. And that'll be a personal answer from me on that home improvement question. All right, everybody. Well, let's uh, get into the show here because this is a hot subject. And we talked about it last year a little bit, but I really want to talk about it again here because it's so relevant on trying to find the right contractor. So one of the first things that I always say is when you're hiring a contractor, they need to be licensed, bonded, insured. You have heard me say this time and time again. But if you're new to the show, that is one of the things that protects you, the homeowner. Because if they are overworking at your house, and they're not licensed, bonded, and insured company, You, they are your employee, which means you're responsible for their well-being. So if somebody cuts off a finger, falls off the roof, you are now personally responsible for their injury or death, which means you don't want that when somebody's doing something dangerous over your house. So make sure that that. 
The other little thing is to make sure that they have workers' compensation insurance. Now, that's different from state to state. But for instance, in my state here, if you're an owner of a contracting firm and you have employees, you have to pay for that workers' compensation insurance that makes sure that if someone gets injured at the job site that's an employee, that they're covered by the state insurance plan. So what that means is is they're covered for their medical insurance if they get hurt or worse. So make sure that that is here. You could be a contractor and say, hey, I don't have any employees. I'm a single person and I'm working. And uh, well, I don't need that. I'm just a single person. And we see that a lot where you'll have somebody that is registered is kind of exempt from that. But then you turn around and go, hey, they do have employees. And especially when they're working under the table, that can be a very big issue. So make sure you got that covered. Second of all, I always want to take a look at. Now, I want to really explain this out well because I am not so concerned about some criminal histories. I, I give people a lot of grace in turning their lives around. I know some people that made big, bad choices when they were young, and they turned around to be really good people and good humans. So I'm not worried about that. But what I'm worried about is have they been in lawsuits or have a criminal history with clients? I know of a design firm up in the Seattle area where the owners have been in, geez, lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. It could be with employees. It could be with homeowners. It could be all these different things. That should be a huge red flag for a kitchen and bath company if you have been sued that many times. Now, a big company, yeah, they'll, they'll probably get sued once or twice, you know, in their life. But when you see half a dozen or a dozen, that is a really big warning sign that these people either attract trouble or are trouble. And uh, you got to really make sure of that because I uh, tell you what, it doesn't take much for something to go wrong on a job site and you want that person to be reputable to be able to stand up and take care of it. If they've been in a lot of lawsuits, that tells me that they have they like to dig their heels in and stand their ground and not compromise. Because I'll, I'll be honest, if you're a kitchen and bath firm and you got 6, 8, 10, 12, you know, over the last decade lawsuits, or 15 years lawsuits under your belt, that's not good. That's not good. That says that there are some serious issues within that organization. Now, the other one is criminal history with clients. Great example. Great example is Amber Truckee down in Colorado Springs. Yeah, the sledgehammer contractor. We have covered that, you know, exclusively with Amber over the years. Uh, You know, it's worth what? couple years into this thing now and I tell you what she really got burned and that guy had a history of doing this and so do your best you know research to see if this these people coming in your home have a really good history with clients you know if they you know if they got into trouble in their in their 20s and they've got their life turned around I'll be honest I don't care I really want to see people get into the trades and get their lives turned around. So long history ago of stuff, that's one thing. But uh, really, uh, when you've got a history of ripping people off and doing shoddy work and, and threatening or committing violence, yeah, that's 
that's where I got to draw the line. And then the last one here in this, in this segment I want to talk about here before we go out to break is uh, we talked about it in the last week, but it's, I want to mention it again. Make sure you have detailed estimates. If that contractor comes out and just writes a number down and won't give you a detailed estimate, I'm very concerned about that because you don't know what you're getting. You don't know what you're getting for the quality of the materials. You don't know any of that stuff. So make sure that that is it. Part of this is I want you to make time to understand in your state, city, county, township, whatever your local government is, there are things like lead paint forms and asbestos forms. And depending on what forms are required, many, if not all contractors, when you sign are required to give you information sheets about hazardous things around your home and your rights with that. If they're not handing that stuff out, that tells me that they're not on top of their local laws. They're not following the rules. And that is another warning sign. So make sure that whoever's working at your house is making sure just it's not that hard to Google this up and take a look and see what's required in your area. And if they come over and they don't give you that stuff, then you clearly have maybe a warning sign here that, well, you really have a warning sign that these guys don't know what the rules are. And if they don't know what the rules are, that means that you're at a higher risk of getting burned. And nobody wants to see that. And then another little trick, too, that I just want to add before we go out to break here. If you're working with somebody that's doing a lot of work, like, you know, they do framing and stuff like that, check around and see what the uh, local salespeople think of them at the lumber yard, at the plumbing supply house. Just have a casual conversation. Hey, what do you think about them? If they go, oh, man, they're amazing. If they give you the side eye, you go, wow, I haven't paid their bill in six months. You know you got a problem. All right, we come back. We're going to finish up here how to find the right contractor and some of my tips just as soon as Around the House returns. show where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. I want to thank everybody listening to us on the radio across the United States, as well as everyone around the world catching us on the podcast. It is the people like you that keep this show going, and uh, we really appreciate any of our advertisers, if you're listening on the radio, if you hear them in the show, that means they're helping sponsors to keep us on the air. So make sure you pay attention to those advertisers. Because those are the ones that keep this hitting the radio all across the U.S. And as well goes for our podcast here. If you're catching ads in the podcast, make sure that you send those guys some love as well. Because that keeps the lights on for everybody and keeps us so it is a free thing for you to catch. Well, we've been talking about how to find that right contractor from our show last week that we had so many questions about. And I wanted to dive into this one here. When you're talking about hiring the right contractor, we talked about in the first segment a lot of the things you should be doing. One of my favorite resources is friends that have had successful experiences. Now, you still need to do your due diligence, but if you have a friend, coworker, 
family member that says, oh man, this person is amazing. Pay attention to that. That is the best kind of resource you can have there. You still need to do all the other checks, but having a successful project is a good sign that they have somebody. I know of a contractor that I've worked with for years that has gone around and within about five friends of mine, he's been working for about two years because they liked having him around the house so much. They came back and, well, let's go ahead and do this. And then the next phase is this and the next phase is that. And it's been very successful for him that way. So somebody that's really good is hard to find like that. There's lots of great contractors, but you really want to make sure that you have the right one coming on there. Now, here's one thing I want to talk about in this segment here that is an important one. You'll hear people say, hey, why don't you check the BBB, the Better Business Bureau? And quite frankly, I am not a fan, and I can tell you why I'm not a fan. I've never had a complaint personally with the BBB, so it's not that kind of beef here. But where my problem was is I had my design business years ago, and I had a client say, hey, Eric, you know, you've got a C- minus with the Better Business Bureau. And I'm like, I have no idea why that is because I've never talked to them. They've never had a complaint against me. So I call up the BBB and say, hey, guys, why do I have a C-? minus?" And they went, well, Mr. Gorenson, guess what? You are not an accredited business, so you need to be accredited to get the A-plus rating. And I went, Okay, what's that take? 750 bucks. Now, here came the $750 shakedown. And, of course, I went, I'm not paying 750 bucks so you can make money off of me, so you can do your research. I told him at the time that I was working with a radio show because this was years ago up in Seattle. And I tell you what, as soon as I started talking about it, about the shakedown, all of a sudden, I had an A+. And if you look online, you can go over to YouTube and you can find out where uh, a uh, news program did a whole bunch of stories on them and showed why, um, you know, Disneyland had a F or a D minus at the time. And all these major companies had these bad ratings because they would not pay for that program. So that to me, when you can buy and spend money, and get a better rating to me, that is not doing anything for you as a homeowner. Because I could have been the shadiest dude out there, and I would have paid for that accreditation, and I'd have had an A+. So to me, that holds little or no value. So now they might go on and try to help you negotiate, but if you've got a criminal or somebody that is you know, has no business ethics, they're just going to blow the BBB off because they have no teeth to anything they do. They're just going to try to, you know, well, you don't want to have a complaint on your record. And the criminals don't worry about that. So it's not going to be that big of help. Now, here's the thing here, too, that I want to talk about. There are lots of different remodeling groups or building groups out there. Like Nary is one of them. If you're looking at... um uh, a kitchen or a bathroom remodel, I would take a look at, uh, for instance, the National Kitchen and Bath Association, find a designer from there that's certified. And that's another thing, too. If you're working on a project where you've got a designer involved, they probably have a 
contractor that they work with that's their favorite. And that should be taken into account as well. Because if you've got two people like that that are working well together, that can be a good thing. That could be a really good thing where you see them, you know, where, okay, these guys have worked together in the past. They've had lots of good projects. That's an important one. So Nary National Association, you know, of, of remodeling, those guys are good. You know, there's there's all these different organizations in your local areas that have meetings. And you can get a hold of these organizations many times and get referrals. Where I don't like, probably the the nightmare of trying to find contractors or or handy people would be Nextdoor, Craigslist, and Facebook Facebook Marketplace. These are places where plenty of the criminal kind love to hang out. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, in my state here, you have to be a licensed, bonded, insured contractor to be a handyman. I see handyman, handy person, whatever you want it to be. Plenty of great females out there doing this. But here's the thing. You need to make sure that these people are licensed, bonded, insured. And a lot of the people are on their advertising are there because they are working off the books. They're cash only. They're not licensed. They're not bonded. A lot of these people have criminal records. Somebody that you don't want to work with. So that's where the risk is. And some of these guys have no business doing it. You should see some of the pictures that I get from people that they brought in that have tried to do tile work or bathroom work or, oh my gosh, cabinet installations, and I don't think they knew how to run a level. Things are blown apart. So these are things that you really want to make sure with when you're hiring those contractors. And then again, like we talked about earlier, when you're hiring that contractor, I want you, the day you sign the contract, to call up and make sure that their insurance and their license is good the day you sign the contract. That's probably one of the biggest tips at the end, because if you have that, if you have that that day, and I'm not an attorney, but you are much better covered because the day you sign the contract, at least, and you wrote them a check, they have an insurance and a bond, which means you're going to be covered you're going to have a lot better chance of being covered. And that protects you as a homeowner. Now, for all of you out there that are that are doing that shopping, you know, get two or three bids. And please do not go on the interweb, onto social media, and request from a group. And I see this happen every single day. Hey, what's this going to cost? Something in Portland, Oregon is going to cost something different in San Francisco and something different in Los Angeles, something different in Miami and Boston, and way different in Philadelphia. So make sure that you know what it costs in your local area, and you can always go to the uh, cost versus value report from Remodeling Magazine. Those guys have some great information of what projects cost in your area. All right, we come back, we're going to talk about asbestos and remodeling just as soon as around the house returns. show where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining us today. We were just talking about how to hire a contractor by request by a bunch of uh, people that had messaged in from last weekend's show. 
Now, I wanted to talk today a little bit about, uh, this has been a hot subject this week, and you know, when I get a lot of questions in emails about a subject, I start to go, okay, wait a minute, this is a thing that we need to do some more education on to help everyone understand. And asbestos is one of those that is quite frequently misquoted, feared incorrectly, or overfeared that I really want to talk about today. First off, there is a misconception by many that asbestos was stopped being used in residential construction in the 70s. And that's actually lead paint that is that. That is a common confusion of people trying to put together the lead paint and the asbestos, and they confuse those dates. So it's interesting. If you look at asbestos, which is a natural mineral, it came out of the ground. And that's one of the problems if you have an old house. You know when you get potting soil and you have that vermiculite, that white little stuff that's in there? that uh, kind of he- helps keep water and, uh, you know, everything's kind of in the soil balanced. Vermiculite in many of the U.S. came out of a mine out of Montana. And the problem is, is that came out of the same time that asbestos did out of the same mine and they sorted it. So it was not perfectly pulled out of the, out of the ground. So vermiculite could have that. So this is what happens is you can have vermiculite insulation in an old house, which is that almost kitty litter looking stuff. And it can be packed full of asbestos because ah, they grabbed half a scoop of it when they loaded it up into the thing and all of a sudden you got asbestos in it. So it's something to be very, very careful with. Now let's talk about where you find asbestos. And, you know, this is a federal issue and it's depending on how the state, local, federal government is dealing with it in your areas. Here's Here's where you can find it. These are the materials that are common in your household. Interior walls and ceilings, acoustical tiles, glue dots, plaster, any kind of drywall with a textured surface. Exterior walls can have cement siding or stucco. Flooring, vinyl tiles, sheet vinyl, and some mastic adhesives. Many times that mastic is that black tarry stuff. And my experience that I've seen is that When it's very sticky tar still, when you peel it up, that usually has a little bit less of a chance of being asbestos than the stuff that's just hard and very, you know, almost brittle that's in there. That's, to me, when I've had that tested, seems to be a little more positive in that. Insulation, fireproofing, block, boiler, you know, anything spray applied like that, vermiculite, monocoat, sink undercoating, thermal system insulation, you know, Fiberglass, cellulose, mineral wool are not part of that, by the way. You know, gaskets in a furnace, mechanical room, boiler, wood stove. That's interesting. Uh, Many times in heating, you'll see that white paper or seam tape around your heating and cooling ducts and air duct cement and insulation. Now, here's a common one as well. Roofing materials. Things like tar paper, felt, some of the silver and white roofing paint. Even the uh, Nikolite paper had it jammed full of it. And now when you see fire doors, you know, anything out of a kiln, any of the fireproofing stuff, that is one that is very common as well. And here's one that surprises a lot of people. Like compounds, like window glazing, adhesive caulks, mastics, 
some of the vapor barrier products, and I'm not talking Tyvek and and uh, all the different house wraps out there. That's not what I'm talking about. And then electrical even has it. You'll see it in some of the bigger switch gears, circuit boxes, fuse panels. Uh, even wiring with cloth insulation can have it. So these are things you got to be really careful. And depending where your area is, you can really run into problems. I mean, we had a contractor here that was, um, well, I wouldn't say a contractor. It was a homeowner who was a realtor that loved to do flip houses. And you know how I feel about flip houses. There's some great people out there doing it. There's a lot of hack jobs out there. But there was a guy came in and gutted this house, even though he knew it had asbestos in it. He hired a you know a group of guys to come in and tear it out. Well, he got caught because he had tested it, found it had asbestos, and went around and didn't have it abated and had it illegally disposed of. He was fined $100,000 for that violation because he knowingly did it. So that's pretty crazy. Now, here's the problem with asbestos is that it takes multiple exposures for you to worry about you know, the cancers and the mesothelioma stuff. The problem that you get, though, is that you can have one exposure in a room, and that stuff can float around for years in your air. So all of a sudden, you have multiple exposures that can lead off of one project that you did incorrectly. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had to have clients have their homes completely cleaned almost like it was a fire they had in their house to make sure that that asbestos was taken out of there because somebody didn't do the job correctly. Now, let's talk about some of the years here as well, and this is where it gets interesting. In my area, if I order a dumpster for a remodeling project and that house was built prior to 2004, yes, 2004, I have to have an asbestos survey done where I hire a testing company to come out. They will cut up the pieces that I'm going to get rid of. Maybe it's popcorn ceiling. Maybe it's vinyl flooring. Maybe it's some tape or some roofing. They will do that testing and tell me if any of that material is asbestos containing material. So what happens there is, is then I know what I'm dealing with. For instance, in my house, when I bought it, I went, okay, This has 70s popcorn ceilings that I don't like. So I ran around in a few places. You don't want to just do once because you think about it. When things are constructed, you could have had bags from different different years, different job sites. Hey, I'm going to grab those two bags out of my garage, burn those up, and then use the rest of the new material. So you want to check it in a few places. And I went and tested it. And guess what? My popcorn was asbestos-free. So it was perfect. So it made for that job really easy cleanup. But my house is 1977. It could have been easily had asbestos in it. So something to consider when you're doing this project is just to make sure that you've got that testing done. And I just went off and it didn't cost me much. I think I maybe had 70 or 80 bucks into testing because I wanted it fast. Wasn't that big a deal. I had my local testing lab do it. Of course, you can run down to your home center, get the little kit and mail it off. But man, it is nice when you can run down to your local testing center, little lab, walk in there with your double bag sample. Of course, talk to them to make sure you want to see somebody get mad at you, bring a single bag sample down to an asbestos testing center. But 
collect enough for, for them, get the right pieces, walk in there with it, have it tested, and then you know what you're working with. Maybe at that point you can say, okay, I'm going to have that asbestos survey done so I know exactly what's going on and have it certified because you could have that done or, or you could pay to have it done either way. But then you're following the law because you don't want that big fine. Now, have I seen it in the past where it was, I, there's many times, I was just talking to my brother the other day, he shook his head. He did all the right stuff up in Washington State. He, he did the cleanup. This was probably 10, 15 years ago. Followed the rules, did all the stuff, bagged it up in the special bags, took it down, filled out the paperwork, paid for it, drove it out in there, dumped it on the ground, and they took the bulldozer, ran over the bags, which blew the bags open, and buried it in the dirt. So they've gotten a lot better with that. But those are the things in the past that really made people upset about having to follow those rules because they'd follow all the rules and they'd go down and dump it and go, wow, that was a big waste of my time. But really, to be honest, that's there to protect you. All right, we come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about this and more just as soon as Around the House returns. I want to personally thank you for being an Around the House listener. This show is supported by advertisers and listeners like you. I was asked by members of our audience to open up for a way to people say thank you and to help fund future episodes of Around the House. We now have a way to do that, and that's buy me a coffee or a drink. Just look at the episode notes in your podcast player, and you'll find a link to buymeacoffee.com forward slash ATH Eric G. And thanks again for listening to Around the House. Welcome back to the Around the House Show, where we help you get the most out of your home through education and information today. Thanks for joining us. If you just joined us, we earlier were talking about how to hire a contractor, and now we've been talking about the best ways to deal with asbestos around your home and some of those misconceptions. Now, one of the common ones are people that have the older homes, maybe up into the 60s or 70s, and you see things like, well, maybe they've got a nine-inch floor tile. And they go, well, nine inches asbestos, 12 inch isn't. There are no hard and fast rules that says one way or the other. However, because the nine by nine style was so popular when asbestos was prevalent, most of the time, those are considered to be asbestos containing materials. So much so that I would almost say, hey, it's not even worth testing it. Just go ahead and do it and just deal with it as it. But... They made 12 by 12s at the same time. So there were times that the same material was made in 9 by 9 and 12 by 12, and the 12 by 12s can have it, as well as that mastic below it. So there's some things to deal with that. I had a post that came up that I was commenting on with somebody that was trying to deal with it in their basement. They had 9 by 9s in a 60s house, and they wanted to sit there and put a epoxy floor over the top of it or refinish that. And I said, absolutely not. And here's why. Many times those floors were waxed. So if you try to put any kind of coating over the top of it, 
It's going to bubble up, fisheye, do something weird. You're not going to get something to stick to that very well because of that wax. It's not like you can sand it because then you've got asbestos everywhere. So in that situation, you're really better off going through and having that abated or removed legally and then putting down the floor finish that you want to do. But in that situation, I would be more likely to go down and put like a luxury vinyl tile down, but first covering it with one of the uh, different uh, encapsulation finishes you put over asbestos. Now, when it's in a tile like that, its I'll be honest, it's not very dangerous when you don't mess with it. There's really no danger if it's all in good shape, there's a wax over it, it's all good. I would, if it was my house, probably just play it safe and put a coat of like fiber lock or one of those things over the top of it, one of those asbestos binding compounds. It wouldn't hurt to strip the wax off it and do that. And those are meant to cover up and uh, meant to penetrate in and bridge across asbestos and encapsulate it. But to be honest, I think if you put a luxury vinyl plank or tile over the top of it, you're going to be fine. Always follow your local regulations and laws to make sure that you're doing it correctly because you are dealing with asbestos. But if it's not broken, if it's not friable, as they say, or the little pieces can get out there, it's really not that big of a deal. It's okay. It's the same thing when I see asbestos siding that's in good shape. I've had houses with asbestos siding, and as long as I keep it painted and caulked and looking good, that stuff is going to last generations because it's so tough. Where it gets a little crazy is when tiles get broken or that siding gets broken and then you have to deal with it, but they do make replacement pieces out there that are not asbestos. So you can put it in there. I really like it. It's much more durable than anything else out there. And with heat and weather, it is a tough surface. And uh, it was a good product for that back then. It's just that when it gets broken or you've got an issue, that's where you can run into some serious problems. Now, what can be hard to navigate with all the asbestos rules is what's going on in certain areas. Like here, we don't have the notifications in my area that you have to do. For instance, in like Minnesota, for instance, um, if you're working in Minnesota and you're encapsulating it, you still have to to notify, you know, the the proper government agencies to do it. And that's kind of kind of wild that you have to do that. So in Minnesota, you have to get a hold of the Minnesota Department of Health if you are working with 260 lineal feet or 160 square feet or 35 cubic feet of product. So that's if you're uh, encapsulating it. So the it, there's also rules like 10 lineal feet, 6 square feet, or 1 cubic foot if you're conducting encapsulation in a residence. So there's a lot of different rules to navigate here. And I guarantee you it's going to be very hard to navigate that and always check with your local area to see. And it can be tough, you know, like in states where I'm at here in Oregon, Washington is a few miles away and they deal with stuff completely differently than we do down here in Oregon. So take a look, make sure you've got all the licensing, all that stuff, and you're going to be a little bit safer. And maybe it's one of those things that you just need to become good friends if you've got that in your house with a local testing company so you can understand what you're working with and what you have to deal with because it can be a little tough and uh, discouraging. It doesn't have to be this super expensive thing 
You just need to know the rules and how to deal with it safely in your home. Now, as a parent, here's where I would be very concerned is our schools in the country. There are serious asbestos issues in schools around the country. And I can tell you what, I have seen them. I have called them out. And this is going to be my soapbox a little bit. As a parent, you should be taking a look. If you've got that school building that's built, you know, and, you know, it's over 20 years old, I'd start asking questions. I can't tell you how many times I have walked into buildings and seen asbestos-containing materials, clearly asbestos-containing materials, hanging from the ceiling in an auditorium where there was a water leak or ducting and stuff like that in a mechanical room where it just has not been addressed. And we have a lot of that. I was in a school here uh, last year, actually, doing some speaking uh, to some students. And I tell you what, it would be hard to abate the floor in there because that school had asbestos 9 by 9 tiles everywhere. Every floor surface in the entire huge school was packed full of it. And you could tell. And that's where I get concerned, guys. That's where I get concerned for our children and uh, making sure that the schools are doing testing. So I would ask questions in your area to make sure. You can do air testing in schools. It's very simple to do. You can go in there and see if there's fibers floating around and uh, look at a particulate matter. You're not going to see it, but you can test for it. And it's something to really be careful with. But let me cover on this here real quick before we go out to break here to go on to our next segment. Some rules that you don't want to do as a homeowner. Let's talk about this for a second. You want to leave those undamaged asbestos-containing materials alone. Do keep activities to a minimum in areas having damaged material that may contain asbestos. Don't let the kids in there, you know, any of that stuff. Do take every precaution to avoid damaging asbestos-containing material, floors, you know, any of that stuff, textures. Do have removal and major repair done by professionals trained and qualified for handling asbestos. That is, when you got to do the sampling and testing, have it done. You don't want to dust, sweep, or vacuum debris that may contain asbestos. All you're going to do is move it out. Your traditional vacuum that you have in your house is going to take it and spread it around and not capture a lot of it. And, of course, following those rules, don't ever sand, saw, scrape, drill holes, and asbestos-containing materials. Don't do any sanding like with abrasive pads or brushes or power strippers. And even that, stripping wax off the flooring, you never want to use a power stripper on anything that could contain asbestos. And then don't track material that could contain asbestos through the house. If you can avoid walking through the area, have it cleaned with a wet mop and make sure that you have that. Wet is your friend when you're dealing with asbestos fibers. Now, if you're going to be removing a little bit yourself, this is where you really want to have the the right deal. And if you're going to do in many areas, you can do your own abatement. But this is where you need to make sure that you have the right air pressure in the room that's tented off. That needs to be fully tented. You want to have negative air pressure so you're not pushing air out into the other rooms. You're putting air into the room so it's not getting out. You need to have the right walkways, dustways to get yourself out of there. And, of course, double bagging and following all of your clear local hazardous materials rules for this. So 
This is not a thing that I would do as a DIY project. I never recommend doing it that way. If you're going to tackle it, it might cost you as much to rent or buy the gear to do this correctly as it would to have somebody do it. And don't be afraid to get some quotes. It's not that crazy sometimes. I've had asbestos abatements be $1,500, $2,000, where it might have been $1,000 to have that stuff taken out. It might have been twice to have it taken out using the proper way to do it. If you have any questions, head over to aroundthehouseonline.com and send me a message over there. All right, next uh, next show is coming up after this. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to Around the House. We'll see you after these important messages. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.